Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Yeah, take it back, for those For those listening and they're not aware, uh, V hit, okay, go for the three, two, one countdown. As I said, wait. So all's good. No. <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> man. Hey, you know, that's how you know it's it's real. Like, you know, yeah. guys like us, all three of we we are real, you know, because it's live, things happen. Nobody could do what we do and do it consistently. It's incredible what we're able to accomplish, Matthew. I was right just now, what you guys were able to do with uh pulling uh Andrei Martinov into uh into a discussion and i mean that was just a pleasure to listen to if anybody is listening to this and has not listened to andre Matyanov, i mean it was comprehensive an elegant devastating hilarious expose on everything insane about the west yeah. and uh the conditions about what's going on in the world i highly recommend it thank you man yeah it was a great uh great interview i recommend people go check it out andre martinov get his books man and get his books hold on one second folks let me uh yeah. well, well, well matthew's talking here you know you need okay. I am <sighs> reading through the unfinished symphony by a gentleman named Matthew Errett, mm. Clash of Two Americas, Volume One, Clash of Two Americas, Volume Two, which is the open versus closed systems collide. Get Matthew's books as the primer for everything geopolitical. Geo- I'm calling it right now, Matt. I'm calling it right now. This is the primer for everything geopolitical, geostrategic, okay, and historical. And then go get Andre's books because you understand it even better. You understand it even better. You're going to get the military aspect of it. You're going to get the technological aspect of it, but you got to get the framework. Matt's books, The Unfinished Symphony, A Clash of Two Americas, Volume 1, Open versus Closed Systems Collide, which is The Clash of of Two Americas, Volume 2. This is the framework. Mm -hmm. You get the framework, you'll understand this whole game. You'll understand it soup to nuts. That's a, a shameless plug for you, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate shameless plugs <laughs> always. I but yeah, no, I, I think that the uh, we're obviously going to touch on a lot of the, the same things that you discussed yesterday, but yeah. maybe some new elements because things are just exploding, right? Oh, Every day wow. there's new breaking events. It's hard to keep pace. It's a little bit dizzying, frankly. It is. Um, I can't even keep up. No, it's it's really – I had to just let go and realize that I'm not a computer. I can't process this. And, I, you know, you've got to take a step back. <laughs> And just focus on the principles and yeah. uh, and somehow, you know, we're, again, not going to – you can't drown in information, which is very easy to do. But I thought that the, the the thing I want to just start with by reminding the audience here is that a lot of this, the majority of what's happening right now is a game of the mind. The, mm-hmm. the major battlefield is the mind. And uh, I was reminded of this um, January 2021 NATO report called Cognitive Warfare mm-hmm. and just a – quickly re recap uh, just one of the key points in this cognitive warfare battle plan um which is kind of like a, a project for new american century manifesto back from you know remember 1998 1999 when the neocons were getting ready to to take charge and plan out you know the entire 9-11 before there was a 9-11 as a new pearl harbor the age of bio warfare genetically modified uh, uh viruses that they were even talking about back in 2000 in the Reorganizing American Defenses report by PNAC, oh, yeah. uh, co-authored by Robert uh, 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 Kagan. Kagan, yeah, Victoria Newland's husband. Yeah, yeah, Victoria Newland is coming out with a co- with a cookbook for cookie recipes. Do you know that? Yeah, I think she. Yeah, it involves it's burning. Called, uh, it's one. called uh, "I'm Going Macadamia for the Maidan." Maidan Macadamias. <laughs> Everything she, she touches seems to light on fire and burn. So, <laughs> be a at least she gives you a sweet treat to the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, little little swastika shaped uh, little swastika cake for her cookies. <laughs> she has swastika. <laughs> she has, she's passing out swastika. <laughs> My dad. Oh man. Uh, uh, oh. Just blow up sorry, anyway, yeah. They, so in this cognitive warfare thing, 
they're laying it all out pretty, pretty clearly, unabashedly, just saying that the brain, this is the architects of like a NATO think tank. I mean, this is NATO directly, an official NATO report saying the brain will be the battlefield of the 21st century. I quote it. Humans are the contested domain. Cognitive warfare's objective is to make everyone a weapon. Hmm. Literally. And then they, they go on. There's another additional part where it says, in particular, the brain, quote, is unable to distinguish whether information is right or wrong, is led to believe statements or messages it has already heard is true, even though these may be false. Uh, the brain accepts statements as true if backed by evidence with no regard for, uh, to the authenticity of that evidence. And then they finally end with, at the political and strategic level, it will be wrong to underestimate the impact of emotions. They're speaking in such a pro, like they're they're talking about programming a, a a robot, but the robot is humanity. That's that's how they think of humanity as as like a giant robot to be manipulated by the trigger, the the special button of emotions. And then they say, emotions, hope, fear, humiliation shall uh, shape the world and international relations with the echo chamber effect of social media. So again, like I just want to begin with that point because it's important not to lose sight of the fact that uh, it's all illusion. There's, it's like a magic trick, uh, a show going on, right? And, and it, when you know that, you not only inoculate yourself from the tendency to fall for emotional triggers. I think everybody, if you're, if people are watching this show, it means that they've inoculated themselves quite, uh, quite to quite a high extent from the bullshit um, of the social engineering, but still it's good to have this in mind. Um, and also to just be able to cut through and see what is reality beyond the illusion, what beyond the perception of things. Um, so that's really important. The, I, I, I want to just parallel that with the project for new American century, because that was what's happening right now. And especially in the last few days, what's come to the surface. We were just chatting before the show began regarding these bio labs, which up until recently were treated like conspiracy theory, right? not to be trusted or given any credence to if anybody raises the question of biolabs in Ukraine or anywhere run by the Pentagon or Department of Defense. That was crazy conspiracy theory. Just like the idea of, um, you know, this other virus that somebody said, you know, a couple of years ago might have come from a laboratory instead of just being created by uh we could say that matt we we we, we can say that virus's name we're not we're not on youtube anymore. <laughs> oh right we're not on youtube that's right they got me they got me this is how abused we are we don't yeah, even mention I was about inoculating ourselves from this stuff and here i am right <laughs> the little electric fence hit um so yeah take note um yeah so i mean that was conspiracy theory and then all of a sudden now it's like common knowledge that you could talk about this uh in a very realistic way and that's that's all of a sudden okay even from the establishment um and now the same thing happened right there's all sorts of evidence uh that just exploded onto the scene that was already there but i think people just started taking it more seriously when victoria newland was confronted by um well i wouldn't say confronted but the the question was thrown at her um, by by Marco Rubio uh, during a, a Senate, I think it's a Senate committee hearing on, in, in for, a foreign relations committee yeah. hearing. Yeah. And he just asked her at the end of a, a, a discussion about uh, whether or not there are bio weapons laboratories in Ukraine. And it was a yes or no question. The correct answer would have been no. And uh, instead she said, there are bio research facilities. <laughs> And, uh, and that just exploded onto the scene, right? She was very uncomfortable playing with her pen, fidgeting, and um, and immediately uh, tried to throw this other psyop on, onto the story that she realized, you know, I, I don't know if this was a conscious revelation that they wanted to, that they discussed in advance to bring it up because Marco Rubio is not a friend of Russia or world peace. Like he's another whore. For he's, the, a show. he's a whore. Yeah, completely. He's another closet homo whore. Which whatever it is, you know, that might be true. You're definitely a whore. He um, is. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Right. Numerous, I, I, him and Barry, but that's another story. Okay, that's another. Yeah, I feel like uh, yeah, you have to brief, brief me on that at some point. Yeah. Um, the um, yeah. So that might have been premeditated. Maybe they just wanted to get on top of the story because it was becoming so obvious with all oh, of the yeah. evidence that had been coming to the surface. Even mainstream media was finally being forced to touch it. Finally, after weeks of fact checkers all going for maximum deniability and i tried i we did an interview a few last week uh, cynthia and i with uh, jeff j brown 
mm -hmm. um, who's an expert on international bioweapons, has written extensively, has a, I mean, a, an online library with all sorts of original documentation on uh, bioweapons use going back to the 1950s, actually 40s. Uh, to the present, really extensive. And when I was doing my research, I just Googled, you know, bioweapons, Ukraine, just to like refresh my memory. And like eight pages of responses were just fact checkers denying this and saying it's all QAnon conspiracy theory. It's not true. But then all of a sudden, Victoria Newland comes out and says, yeah, and uh, it's harmless. <laughs> research facilities. <laughs> it's where, where I bake bat-shaped cookies. <laughs> Just mind blowing. Yeah, and then she's like, um, we're very afraid that they're going to fall into Russian hands. <laughs> well, like, you should be afraid. Not Look at all that's coming out. <laughs> but it's like, if they were so benign, why would you be afraid that they're going to fall into Russian hands? Like, what, what, what's what's so dangerous about them? And then you start right. seeing it. It's just a research facility, right, Matt? Oh, it is. Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. And this is what they were talking about with the Project for New American Century. Um manifesto and, and the the reorganizing america's defense or rebuilding america's defenses in october 2000 that was co-authored like i said by kagan and i think uh william crystal was the co-author yeah um where they literally you know they describe that warfare in the 20th century is going to be genetically targeted um bio warfare they they literally talk about that and people forget that after 9 11 just a few months later you had things like the uh, the anthrax attack which um was pinned on some like doctor in uh Fort Dietrich uh, was Bruce Ivins, who was like a Lee Harvey Oswald character, didn't, didn't know what the hell was going on. And apparently, like, the story was cooked up that somewhere along the way, he was watching videos online, got radicalized by uh, Al-Qaeda, and stole uh, weapons-grade anthrax that he started just mailing, mailing around to uh, State Department and civil service officials and, and politicians that killed a few people. But um, it was a complete inside job, and I, there's enough evidence that his cropped up over the years to just indicate that this was never this guy was just thrown under the bus i think he was like suicided in 2009 or 10 or something after spending a few years in prison um but what came out of that was the bio shield act of uh, dick cheney which victoria newland was his assistant uh what was it she was the uh uh national security advisor to dick cheney and uh and so this bio shield act took what was already a pretty bad uh, case of, of a Pentagon bio lab, very questionable type of research infrastructure, which people had said, oh yeah, the U.S. stopped doing bioweapons you know, work back in the early 70s when they signed a treaty. Uh, no, it just changed names and, and continued on, like all things bad that are done under the unipolar order. And so they took that and they amplified it to be a massive funding a black hole where something like the last estimate I saw was that about $50 billion of traceable taxpayer revenue has been put from 2004 to the present when that act was passed to create this international array of laboratories, which I didn't know how many there were. I saw different numbers floating around over the last couple of years. Um, I, the biggest one I had seen was when the, the Chinese uh, foreign ministry uh, last year had said uh, there's about 200 or more U.S. biolabs internationally outside of the U.S. Um, turns out now it's actually more like 336 is the most updated uh, number. Um, around 30 of which are in Ukraine. A lot more are in Georgia. Many of them are located around... And in 25 <laughs> other countries, Matt. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. 25 other countries. They're just doing research, of course. I mean, <laughs> you know, just research, Matthew. Nothing to see here. Well, you know, the logic of this dual use stuff, right, is they're saying like, oh, yeah, it's all just for defend defensive purposes. But to be a the way that they're they're saying that is, well, OK, we don't know what the enemies of the free world might create in their laboratories because they could create anything. So for us to be prepared for the anything that they could possibly create is we have to create more anythings first. Yes. So we just create as many virulent, like reactivate the Black Plague, create as many variations of coronavirus, SARS, MERS, uh, whatever. Just create everything possible so that by knowing that it exists and also patenting it, which is an important part of this process, we could then better equip ourselves to create um, anti um, antiviral, you know, vaccines or whatever else they're saying, you know, we could do to protect ourselves. 
Um, so it's really just defensive. It's it's not real uh, aggressive weaponized uh, biological material, obviously. Now, you can say that about anything. And, and even Tucker Carlson, I was watching a, a skit. Um, I call it a skit because he's funny, but it's it's <laughs> like <laughs> one of the only like places where you get some serious resistance in the right. mainstream media. Um, but he made the point, like, well, what is a gun? If you, you know, like these people are trying to make the type of argument that if you take a gun out quail shooting, it's not a gun anymore. But if you take it out uh, to fight your neighbors, then it all of a sudden becomes a weapon. Um, or like your nuclear arsenal. You could say, oh, the, the, the people like v Victoria Newland could say that our American uh, military nuclear arsenals are just defensive because we don't want to launch a first strike against anybody. That's technically what we don't want to do. I, I huh. Maybe they're, they're lied about that, but that's what that's the open argument. Now, but it doesn't change the fact that there's still weapons. They could, there's still nuclear bombs. Right. You wouldn't ignore that. So it's the same thing that I think we're running into here. And again, like you said, there's just so much evidence that's increasingly coming up as the Russians are taking out these facilities are going in, even though a lot of the material um, has been destroyed. I love and that. Uh, despite that, they weren't able to destroy everything. There's still a lot of paperwork, a lot of evidence showcasing what type of research was being done um, across these Ukrainian facilities being funded by the Pentagon, which scrubbed its database, right? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Nothing they to hide. Huh? Nothing to hide there. No, no, no. That was just a coincidence. They were just doing some house cleaning and the U.S. Embassy of Ukraine just took off all of their Pentagon uh, PDFs that had formerly been there for for months going through each one of the, the projects um, that anybody could have just logged on to. And, and I mean, there's a, these things have been downloaded and preserved by a lot of people. It's, it's, it's very easy to find them. But just be because they're not on the official government website anymore, they're just saying that basically... It, deniability they're they're just going they're doubling down with the lie that they've never been there it doesn't, doesn't exist these are just there for doing research on on by you know viruses just whatever so yeah not very believable um no. and then there's a question too of the um you guys have looked into the or the the evidence for smart bombs as well or uh, certain not smart bombs dirty bombs uh nuclear dirty radiological bombs. dirty bombs correct absolutely and this is also one of the reasons why it's like all the nuclear facilities from chernobyl and the secondary uh, nuclear facility there in in in, uh, in Ukraine was taken. A lot of the dirty radioactive waste materials was taken out of Chernobyl, was taken out of the secondary nuclear plant, and it was to be used, uh, you know, in a combination with conventional bombs as a dirty bomb to spread radiological material. We have that in the documents. The the I don't even know how many dot pages those documents. A couple of. I don't know how many I don't know how many pages of those documents, but the documents that proved with all the written signatures that the Ukrainian military, the Azov Brigade, and all that they were set to attack Donbas. They mm -hmm. were planning this war, and and this is the it makes perfect sense if you think about it, right? This is what people miss, right? People are like, oh, I guess the Biden administration was right when that idiot Ned Price came forward and said that Russia is about to invade, and and um, you know, uh, 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 Max Lee, the the, the reporter, uh, you know, fried him to oblivion uh, in front of everybody. I guess the Biden administration, right? Well, what you guys, what a lot of people are, are missing here and they're failing to grasp here, Matthew, is this. And they forget this. The documents prove that indeed the 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 Ukrainian the the plan was to have the Ukrainian military, the Azov Brigade, backed by U.S. operators. Because we know Academy slash Blackwater, aka Derek Prince or Eric Prince's outfit is in Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. They were supposed to roll into Donbass, causing a Russian provocation, and then blaming the Russian reaction. See, we told you the Russians are going to attack on February the 18th. We told you it was going to happen on the 20th. Oh, we told you it was going to happen on the 23rd. They just couldn't get all their coordinations correct. Yeah. So this was supposed to happen. This whole yep. dirty bomb was supposed to happen as well, where they were going to blame that on the Russians. Oh, there was a chemical. This is what you're hearing. There's a, a there was rumors around the whole Russia's going to invade on February the 18th. Russia's going to invade mm -hmm. February 21st, 26th. Yeah. At the same time, we were, we were hearing murmurings and chatter about nuclear weapons on the. I'm sorry, uh, dirt, uh, uh, chemical weapons that are on the loose yeah. and and possible small yield nukes. Why would Russia use small yield nukes? You're not going to. They're going to set off a dirty bomb. Get the radiological counter off of that and say, hey, look, it's a small yield nuke. And look, what, look what's happening in the portal. This was set to go. And what happened was Vlad and, and you know, the Russians got – they, they 
discovered this somehow because they actually have this thing called human, human intelligence, which is something that the Western powers lack. They have really good intel. Mm-hmm. They caught wind of it, and they that's why the Russians struck first, completely throwing them in disarray. They launched the cauldron, and within five days, within day one, the Ukrainian Air Force was, was snapped in half except for the ghost of Kiev, who was shooting down 200 Russian planes a minute. You know, apart from that, the Ukrainian skies were locked up. Ukrainian Navy's backbone was uh, was was broken. Right? Yeah. The Azov Brigade was surrounded. Mariupol was surrounded. Uh, uh, Krakow was surrounded. All within five days. Yeah. They couldn't get anything in and out. That's yeah. the whole entire thing, and that's what the documents are supporting. That it's my mind's getting blown. I can't even keep up with this, man. I know. I know. Me too. And I mean, yeah, like they they knocked out all the ground radar stations. They they declared very early on complete air dominance of the entire airspace above Ukraine, which again, just to go on a quick segue, this makes it additionally hilariously pitiful to see the type of maneuvers that are being planned right now, where there were these like discussions where Poland was going to sell their <laughs> Russian Soviet old school Soviet obsolete MiGs to uh, just give them to Ukraine in exchange. The U S was going to donate a bunch of F 16s that would like then make them more uh, standardized to join the rest of the NATO military structures. Right, right. Uh, Latvia jumped on board saying something similar. And then that, like, first of all, who the hell is going to use these Russian MiGs? Who's going to be stupid enough to get in a plane and fly these things uh, <laughs> on hand, right, in Ukraine? Because uh, that's a that's a death sentence. And number two, why would you send them? Because the, the head of the, the, or the spokesperson for the Russian military already said that would put Warsaw up as a target um, directly of the Russian military. So why would you go and start providing all of this, uh, these supplies in that, in that form uh, to Ukraine? So then Poland, Warsaw, uh, the geniuses that they are basically said, oh, okay, well, you know, we have a solution. We're just going to send all of our, our MiGs first to a, a U.S. air base in Germany. And from that base in Germany, the Ramstein air base, there we're going to send them out to Ukraine from there. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, the Americans got freaked out because they're like, well, shit. And then that battle basically put a target on a German American run air base, a military base. Uh, and then they basically just nixed it. So that whole plan that was really this they were celebrating this thing like a, a weird heroic uh, program um, just completely got flushed while Biden is trying to maintain the idea that there are these that NATO is like one in lockstep one clear unified alliance and obviously that's not the case on any level um in reality and we could talk more about that but back to what you were saying the evidence of of again dirty bombs um the 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 reason why russia was so intent on gaining control of these zones that are that are exactly where the bio labs are located you know there's like i said approximately 28 to 30 um as well as the nuclear facilities chernobyl and the other facilities in, in Ukraine is, is just because of that. There, there has been an open intention, not only for Ukraine to join NATO, but also to reactivate their nuclear plans and to uh, abolish the treaty, the Budapest Treaty that was signed in 1994 that removed all of the Soviet nuclear warheads from Ukraine. Right. Um, so Zelensky, I mean, this has been something that has come up again and again and again for the past several years since the Maidan coup in 2014, the need for Ukraine to recapture and, and have what they say are defensive nukes. Um, and Zelensky just said it again on February 19th at, in Munich at the security conference. He basically said, you know, uh, we we are going to do this. And um, they have the means to do it relatively cheap and easy. They have the technical expertise. They have the the refinement capabilities. Um, and at an accelerated rate, like it's like one tranche, the, the overall, I, I saw an, an economic analysis of how viable it was to fund the creation of nuclear warheads created by the enriched uranium in um in ukraine and it might be a year year and a half and about a billion uh, and a half dollars which is one tranche of imf uh you know loans it's nothing uh considering what they are and uh yeah you that was un- intolerable so you have all of these different elements you have the blackwater private mercenary forces now you also have um syrian the first batch the first trench you heard about the uh, the Syrian fighters being brought in from Idlib now who have just arrived on the ground in Ukraine, right? Yes. 450. 300 are actual Syrians affiliated with, uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the free Syria, Syria army who's not free, who ain't Syrian, no. and they're not no army. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they're they're all tied to Al-Qaeda, Jabhat al-Nusra, Hayat al-Tirir al-Sham, 
um, yeah, they're 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 the they're the terrorists that were created by the US one man's terrorist is an Amer- is, is America's freedom fighter. <laughs> That's the story. Yeah, yeah. And so they've now arrived on the ground, and yeah, they're uh, so typical. This is what they do, man. It's uh, like you want to find out who the worst, most nastiest organizations of, of, of people and who funding them. The paper trail always goes back to America. Look at the Aryan Brotherhood feds. Look at like the Black Panthers and the, the modern day Black Panther feds. Look at every white supremacist group, feds. Look at every separatist group, feds. Look at every terrorist group, feds. Look at look at the Azov Brigade in the Ukraine, feds. It's all U.S. feds, all of them. Yeah. Well, it's like this, this Winston Churchill formula is what's been fo- followed for the past 60, 70 years has been that the post-war world, after it's purged, after America is purged of its nationalist patriots around f- who had shared the dream of Franklin Roosevelt for an international anti-imperial coalition of nations around a U.S.-Russia-China alliance, which is what Roosevelt and Henry Wallace and Harry Dexter White and, and others had put into motion, um, up, all the way up until FDR's death in April 12th, 1945, months months before the bombing of, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, um, and, and way before the CIA was created. But what these guys had been talking about was, and what Winston Churchill brought online was this idea that the post-war world would be run by American brawn and British brains. So behind this, you always find the um, the geostrategic planning of the of British intelligence, and you have the, the money bags, the muscle of this dumb giant going around hitting small countries um, on behalf of a plan that doesn't really come from the United States and never has. So that's an important uh, relationship for people to keep in their minds, because even now you have also the white helmets, right? So is this the same time oh, as these God. 450 uh, ISIS fighters were brought in from, or ISIS affiliates? Some of them were uh, were Uyghur fighters as well from China, who have been fighting uh, the Syrian army and the Russians in in Syria. Uh, some of them are are uh, French mercenaries. There's a few others. Uh, some British uh, UK nationals were part of that that mix. Uh, but coming in with that is the white helmets. And their 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 current spokesman or the the uh, self-professed chairman, uh, Rayed Saleh, he is himself directly an affiliate with he was he's a terrorist. And then he became when uh, James Le Mesurier, the uh, you know, the, the MI6 operative, the former MI6 operative who created White Helmets in 2014. Oh, yeah. um, you know, he just he had this little um, incident where he uh, threw himself off of a balcony um of his like 20 story high rise it, it was that 2019 or 2020 he just decided to do that you know just naked just and total so, suicide of course there's nothing to, nothing to hide there no not at all uh and after he did that uh, his replacement was this guy and this guy has been saying um that as the white helmets are concerned we stand by our, our ukrainian brothers we're going to fight with them side by side against the 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 russian uh terrorists in ukraine and i mean the thing about the white helmets that people need to understand if you ignore the netflix brainwashing of their their nobel prize winning or not no was yeah it was a nobel prize winning documentary on the white helmets um from a few years ago which by the way was entirely filmed in turkey it wasn't even filmed uh in syria so yeah, all theater um, is that this is an outfit, which even though they say that they have saved uh, 115,000 uh, lives in Syria, that's nominally what they're there to do is to provide aid uh, for people who have been affected by the fighting. The reality is there's only 620 official documented cases of people being saved by them. But of the 625 people, um, there's only actual evidence that exists for 88 people. And of the 88 people that there's some form of evidence, video evidence or, or something like that, uh, only nine of them are named. And of the nine that are named, get this, only three of them, three of the nine actually have both first and last name. So it doesn't seem like they've done very much at all for the, six, what is it, eight years they've been on the ground in Syria in always ISIS uh, affiliated or, or contaminated environments. The yep. two Western organizations that are all that are allowed to operate freely within these uh, terrorist infested zones are uh, the White Helmets and uh, George Soros's operation, the uh, the International Crisis Group, co-founded with Lord Malik Brown in 1995, I think. Yeah. Um, which has 
been providing all of the on the ground intelligence to um, NGOs, the UN, national governments of the world. Um, they're renowned for being able to just have make friends and contacts with the most criminal uh, terrorist groups in the world. They could they they just can win the trust of all these people. They're that good um, as like the modern Orientalists. And, uh, and they've been providing the intel used then by MI6 Whitehall to then justify things like the weapons of mass destruction, which again was brought to us by Victoria Newland and Robert Kagan, um, as far as the propaganda psyop in the United States. Um, keeping in mind, there was never any evidence that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, that this empty vial of whatever sand that Colin Powell was shaking around uh, with shady, fuzzy images from a satellite, um, that was not evidence. What Victoria Newland just did by admitting that the U.S. has been running these biolabs that, that are dangerous in Ukraine is more evidence than anything that they used in Iraq to bomb Iraq. So, you know, just to get that across. So there's a um, the White Helmets, the IC, the International Crisis Group are the two operative uh, operations. Um, both of them tied to British intelligence in very, in a very deep way. The, the former head of uh, the uh, Soros International Crisis Group was uh um, forgetting his first name, Malley, Robert Malley, who, um, I mean, he's a Rhodes Scholar, or an Oxford Rhodes Scholar. He's now the uh, person in charge of uh, the the special envoy to Iran from uh, the U.S. administration. Before that, he was the special envoy to ISIS under Obama. That was wow. his like, job before becoming the head of the International Crisis Group. And uh, before that, he was working as one of the, the dozens of Rhodes Scholars in the Clinton administration, too, as a Middle East expert. He's a very close friend also with uh, Anthony Blinken. They, they grew up together as, as uh, friends in school and like playing in the, the same uh, yuppie, <laughs> yuppie neighborhood um, when they were children and they were lifelong friends. So again, Blinken, all right, part of the same coterie that you think these things are American? Not really, not at all, no, because like look at his dad, right? His father um, is the uh, collaborator with Soros when he was the ambassador to Hungary, uh, Donald Blinken. And uh, Donald Blinken worked very closely from 93, 94, 95 in, uh, in Hungary, where he set up uh, George Soros's Open Society Universities. Uh, they have the Donald and Vera Blinken Foundation uh, Library. Uh, not foundation, but the Donald and Vera Blinken Open Society Library at the University of Budapest. Um, again, very, very much tied to this operation. Who's George Soros? Is he, is he American? No. He funds a lot of uh, regime change operations internationally, including in America itself, including things like the Quincy Institute, uh, co-founded with, what was his name, the uh, the Koch brothers, or the, the surviving, one of the two Koch brothers, I believe, um, which is a weird mix to get those two together to fund a peace, a, a pro-peace think tank, uh, which is obviously <laughs> coming out on uh, calling out Putin as the big new Hitler, right, in the, in the case of Ukraine today. Right. And, um, and this guy himself, is, is he even Hungarian? I mean, he sure seems to care about Hungary's uh, economic reforms and integrating them into the West. But no, that's just destroyed a lot of Hungarians' lives as as every as he's destroyed a lot of lives everywhere he touches, you know, kind of like a, a touch of death. Right. Um, but uh, no, the, the guy is is has been a British operative since his days at the London School of Economics being tutored uh, by the Fabian Society operatives who, who run that place, uh, especially. Um, Oh, what's his name? Open Society, uh, the Open Society and its enemies, Carl uh, uh, Popper, Carl mm. Popper. Mm. That was his mentor, Carl Popper, who ran the that was the originator of the Open Society idea, was always a, a globe like he was always a promoter of this idea of a one world government post nationalist system that would control population. Um, under the veneer of giving but giving every person in every nation absolute liberty to do whatever they wanted. But that was really just a trapping to give people the illusion of freedom because real freedom is not to just do whatever you want to do or say whatever you want to say or have whatever gender you want to have. That's not real liberty. Um, but if you believe that, then you will tend to easily fall into the paradigm of these types of, you know, mental mental jello uh, characters who believe that, yeah, there's there is no such thing as truth. Truth is just how you feel. It's just your emotions. Right. This is the cognitive warfare idea that if you get people to think that truth is based on what they feel, then um, you could manipulate them and weaponize them to do whatever you want. It doesn't matter what's right or wrong because your feelings can always be made to 
you know, uh, feel whatever the social engineers controlling your your uh, pleasure pain impulses uh, want you to. So um, after that, he started a, a hedge fund, the world's first hedge fund, Quantum, with startup capital by, uh, I think it was Evelyn de Rothschild, yes. which which gave him the the money to then create the basis upon which the new pirate class was going to be deployed in 1968. That was when he created his thing. And that was what served as a role model for thousands of other similar hedge funds throughout the 70s, grew into the 80s, grew even more into the 90s of just, you know, committing economic terrorism under the guise of speculation of just, you know, making money. My job is to make money. I don't care if people live or die. If, if that happens, that's that's their problem. My job is just making money. And this is how Soros has been speaking for decades, even on camera, unapologetically. Right. When he was asked by, I think it was Mike Wallace or something in, in the 90s, like, how do you feel about the fact that millions of people are suffering because you've speculated and you've short sold on their currencies and you've, you know, you've you've consciously caused like Malaysian and other other economies to like tank. Um, he's like, I don't feel bad about it at all. It's just that's part of the game. I, uh, it was you know. some of the most exciting times of my life. That was his time. Yeah. Working with the Nazis, right? Working with the Nazis and taking the Jews to the concentration camps. It was uh, beautiful. Yeah, I think he was. He said, "Yeah, that's right." He was. It was the most exhilarating time of his life, where he he, uh, yeah, he learned how to be a man. And uh, I learned, learned how, how to, to be a man by yeah. watching SS officers smite the Jews. Yeah, and yet you're called a, an anti-Semitic fiend for for criticizing George Soros just because he's nominally a Jew. Yep. Um, but actually openly on record had said things like that. A Nazi collaborator. And, oh, he loves Spavoda party in, in, in Ukraine. He loves them. He funds them very well. He loves any neo-Nazi organization. Mm-hmm. You know, Soros is a big fan. Yeah. That's, well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, you got a lot of, I'm, I've noticed even a lot of, uh, uh, American patriots who are more conservative minded, all of a sudden posting things like, this is why I keep my gun because, you know, this could what's happening to Ukraine could happen to us at any time. And, uh, you know, putting out their 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 messages of support for um, for the Ukrainian fighters against the the big, bad, vicious Nazi Russians and uh, and completely brain dead, not realizing that they're starting to sound a lot like Hillary Clinton and George Soros and Biden. And you know, like there's no there's not a, a strong ability to realize that um, you you're you're not thinking for yourself. You're obviously being weaponized like a, like a dumb tool who doesn't know how to self-reflect or do homework. Um, so that, that's, that's problematic, but yeah, like George Soros has actually come out saying that Ukraine went, there's like a recent speech he just gave, uh, on, or an interview he gave on, on March 4th. He said that, um, Ukraine went from being a Soviet, uh, shell of a of a of a tyranny in the 1980s to being a a bright liberal democracy with no corruption today and this is what the russians are afraid of and this is why we must back the support of of the fighters and the civilians against the the big bad soviets and it's like are you serious if you i think everybody agrees that the ukrainian economy was either the highest or among the top three highest per capita GDP countries in 1989-90 before the Soviet Union uh, disintegrated. People would, would vacation there from all over the, the Soviet sphere to go to the Black Sea, the resorts. I mean, it had the highest industrial production zone and agro-industrial zone, high nuclear energy capacity, um, highest living standards. and uh, And it went from that to the lowest i think it is like literally the lowest of all of europe as far as per capita gdp um it was destroyed because of your policies george soros like it's it's literally his his open society foundations throughout the 1990s and into 2000 funding things like the regime change in 2004 that brought us uh the the, the first orange revolution and then the second one too this one now had a, having a little more, little bit more uh, national endowment for democracy money as well as the Soros uh, Renaissance, Ukrainian Renaissance Foundations, cash as well, but always utilizing, and you know you were utilizing these different stay-behind Nazi third-generation, second-generation um, unapologetic freaks as part of the Azovs, the, what became the C-14 um, street patro- patrol units that are openly Nazi patrolling the streets of Kiev and have been doing that now for years. 
um, committing mass genocide atrocities, rape, burning people alive. Uh, 14,000 Ukrainian Russian speakers in the East have been killed already just during the, the course of this fighting. None of this is brought, has been brought up. None of this bothered George Soros or Hillary or any of these uh, neoliberal uh, zombies. They, it didn't bother them at all. Um, but all of a sudden now that Russia is going in to denazify, and literally there is something to, de- they're like, oh, but how could he denazify a place that is run by a Jewish president? And it's like, well, easy. The Jewish president is a shell of a nothing. He doesn't run anything. Um, I, you know, you feel a little bit bad for the guy, but he was, you know, he's, he's like a monkey who's paid to dance around for the pleasure of uh, oligarchs. You know, they had him like in uh, <laughs> drag and high heels. And like, you've seen this video, right? This, this creepy Ukrainian music video where they had Zelensky in uh, before, right before. Oh my God, that was terrifying. Oh, I, I, I couldn't look away. It was so, it was like a freak show. And it went on and on and on for like five minutes. I thought it was going to be like a 20 second blip. It was like, they had him really doing like dry humping his fellow leather clad, uh, gimp mask, whatever it is, you know, like a co-dancer, um, in hot black high heels and, uh, and completely otherwise, you know, like your torso, your fat torso is naked and you just have like leather. Oh, there you go. Jesus. Yeah. Fast forward that a little bit. There he is. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, yeah. Looks like he's kind of closed right there now. No, no. Yeah. That's there he is. He's right in the middle. President. I'll, I'll shut the music off. It's so damn annoying. Yeah, Mr. So President. There he is. There he is. Oh, yes, flaming. I got a rainbow shooting out of my ass. Oh, no. <laughs> it's. Uh, Look at that. It doesn't this stop. is what and they it... want for Ukraine, baby. Global homo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's Zelensky right there. Free and liberal democratic order. Uh, yes, um... yes, yes. <laughs> okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I can't do it. It's, it's too much. <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is why uh, th- th- this is why there's uh, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. It gets much worse. He's gonna start twerking now. I gotta change. I gotta look away. I got it's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he's twerking. God dang it. Preserve your soul while there's still time. Yeah, you can't that, that those are forever memories. <laughs> oh my god. Um uh, yeah, that's, that's the that's the best and brightest of Western democracy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's who runs Western democracies and countries all throughout the Western world, folks. That's who. Low yeah. rent garbage people who are experts in PR to morons PR for morons that's that's what it is yeah exactly <sighs> and uh so that's how this works that's how there's Nazis uh doing all sorts of clandestine and other overt operations even still within um the Ukraine armed forces it's because there's things like that it's to- it's a total basket case uh controlled zone and I say control but not controlled with order uh zone that's run by these puppets. Uh, one of Zelensky's career sponsors is this Russian billionaire oligarch affiliated completely. His alliances are not even with Ukraine. They're entirely with Anglo-American intelligence. I forget his name right now, but his entire career has been sponsored by this mafia uh, operative um, who has all sorts of close ties funding and providing support financially for the Azovs, for the C-14. And when Victoria Newland got kicked, got her ass kicked out of Moscow in, I think, the end of November of 2021. Remember, she went there all of a sudden. She was there for maybe a t- two minutes, spat in the face of Russia and, and Lav- of Putin and Lavrov, made some crazy threats that they have to just like submit to the new world order. And they were like, get, get out of here. And instead of going back to Washington, D.C., which is where you would expect she would go, she immediately went to Kiev as her first stop, had meetings with Zelensky, this billionaire, I'm forgetting his name, and, uh, and other representatives of a, of a shady character. And immediately Zelensky announced that he was going to appoint um, Bl- uh, Bl- oh, I'm forgetting his name now. Boletsky, um, Andrei Boletsky, um, Blet- ah, forgetting his name, but, uh, the chief commander of, of Azov to be the advisor, the special advisor to, um, the head of the Ukrainian military who had tried to resist, but he just gave up after like two seconds. And, uh, and so, you know, people are like, well, the Nazis were maybe a problem, in 2014 but that's all under control and and certainly it got a lot better when when the jewish president was 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 brought in there they, they don't seem to have the same sorts of positions of official influence in the parliament as they used to 
when Parubi was the uh, the speaker of the of the parliament. You know, not not an official way, but you got the the entire Ukrainian deep state is embedded, enmeshed with these things, and um, and yeah, when you have things like like the Azov commander being installed as the special advisor to the Ukrainian military at a time when they're gearing up for an assault onto Crimea, onto East Ukraine, and Don and Donbas, East Donbatsk and Lugansk and uh, Donetsk. That was obviously being prepared. There was documentation that has come to the surface, as you pointed out, that is written by high high level officials in Ukraine who had uh, fully documented their plans to find and do psychological profiles on members of the Ukrainian military who are fit for the job. Because obviously, if you have somebody who has access to their morality or has a problem killing civilians, that's not a person you want to have doing some of this brutal uh, you know, the brutal sort of work that would, is, would have to be done under the conditions of such an operation attacking um, the East and Crimea. So you have a lot of this evidence. They were planning this stuff. And, uh, and also, like, it, it's inhuman. Even what in Crimea, which had declared independence, you know, people forget to mention the fact that just like in the case of Israel cutting off water to Palestine, which has been a technique now for many, many years to just choke these people and make them suffer, break their will, by depriving them of basic needs, um, food and water. The same thing happened with the Kiev cutting off immediately 85% of the water availability to Crimea, fresh water, um, by building an artificial dam that had no purpose. Um, that was one of the first things that, and this caused a lot of damage to people in Kiev. And this is the first thing that the Russians destroyed when they came in to unleash uh, a free flow of water for the first time to Crimea after eight years. So there's human atrocities. Oh, what's this? Your top trading partners visualizing. Yep. Okay. So what is this? This is imports, 54% imports to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. 50% exports out of Ukraine. Uh, look at Russia, Poland, Germany. Where's the U.S.? Oh, yeah. there. There. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's really... Uh... It's, it's, I mean, but this is where you see like just the amount of sacrifice that's being expected, right? By the Europeans, even by the Americans. I mean, gas prices are, are skyrocketing and it's only to go higher. Other countries, as you pointed out with um, Andrei Marinov, yeah. the, there's, there's no plan. The U.S. has just called for a complete cutoff of Russian oil imports. Um, now, they, it seems like part of me was thinking, okay, well, that's part of the plan. They, they want to, they've been talking about creating um, a, a situation of blowing out the financial system and creating a situation of total scarcity so that they could uh, break humanity out of fossil fuels and into green, you know, green new deal tied energy systems. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny. Mm -hmm. Everything they need for their green new deal energy systems. Every single metal component of it is in Russia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They can't get it. <laughs> Lithium, nickel, Everything, yeah. aluminum. Oh my god! All of it. Know, okay, this I is know. this is a picture from Homs, Syria, baby. I'm gonna put the Z symbol All on my right. car. All right. Hell yeah! Isn't Everybody, that... put put a Z sticker on your car. What's up and with that so... Z? What's the Z, what Z stand for? Uh, Zavedia, which is a uh, Russian for victory. I think it nice. is. Nice. Yeah, that's what the, all the Russian army and military trucks have. That. Okay. They all have the Z on them. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the thing. So you got the U.S. now begging um, the Maduro. UAE, begging. Yeah, Maduro. Wait, that is going to pull Juan Guaido, Matt. He's actually. I'm I know. I think yeah, Juan, Juan Guaido, Guaido gave him permission upset. to take Venezuelan oil. I'm pretty sure uh, Juan uh, Guaido gave him thumbs up. <laughs> that's probably all these people actually need to convince themselves that we can do it because because Guaido gave us the thumbs up. <laughs> Who's living in a basement? So yeah, I, I heard they called Qatar. <laughs> And they called um, Saudi Arabia. They called Saudi Arabia. They didn't even bother picking up the phone for this idiot. No, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's really <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, painful for Americans, but I mean, as far as the uh, the slap of of reality, I appreciate that. That uh, all of these different assets who had been playing as you know in a very controlled environment for so many decades are actually now seeing, I think, increasingly where the wind is blowing, especially places like UAE, Qatar, Saudi Arabia. They've been playing a very dangerous game, but increasingly they see that the West is a basket case that's tanking. They were not invited, any of them, to the uh, the big democracy summit in December uh, by Biden, right, which excluded half of the world's nations. 
to this global democracy popular opinion summit. It's like, okay, uh, nobody in you, I think the only country that they were able to ring in from the Middle East entirely of, as far as Arab countries was Iraq, who, you know, they just, they desperately need Iraq to be in a controlled, you know, Anglo-American controlled place. Because if, if Iraq could act like an independent country, then that is a key node for the, the Belt and Road Initiative through the Middle East between, between Iran and Syria and, um, and Lebanon as well as other nodes stretching into uh, Africa via Jordan, probably not through Israel. That's that's going to be a long time coming. But um, Jordan's also playing a bit of a basket case. But even they weren't invited, um, despite all of that. So you you have right now a, a, a sense that the wind is blowing in a new direction. There is a sea change. That's poor Zelensky, who's on the wrong side of the sea. He's under the tsunami. <laughs> that's after he's there like... That's the Azov ready to take him out if he doesn't if he goes off script. No, that speaks so loudly. And just knowing that he's also super high and and like he's just suffered like three mental breakdowns, right? He's been yep. seeing psychiatrists. This is a <laughs> guy fun. who ran on a platform of I'm gonna bring peace between Ukraine and Russia. We're gonna normalize relations. He did an entire speaking tour, his entire campaign, he was speaking in Russian. And now this. <laughs> yeah. How far Matt, you if you don't laugh, you're gonna start. You might, it's like if you gotta laugh at these things, otherwise you're gonna start crying. You know, I it's feel I feel really bad for the guy. You know, like I, he's just so he's so deep in over his head. He's like, how do I, I go uh, from twerking in like leather hot pants to sitting down on a seat with an AK-47 next to me and being threatened by Nazis? What the hell? I was supposed yeah, he's to like, retire, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You see some of these videos where he's giving these speeches in this situation, and it's like he's obviously done a pound of cocaine. Yeah, like he's just like constantly, uh, you know, fixing his nose, and uh, he's just he's having a total total breakdown, oh, and uh, yeah, he's not in control of anything in his destiny. He never has been, and it's really pathetic. Um, yeah, you know the Turks are, are the Turks are actually setting are are, are in talks, and the source of this is uh, Abdullah Kadir Silvi, who is uh, very close to the Sultan Erdogan. He's <laughs> very close to. Salahadin in in Istanbul over there, right? And uh, they're actually in uh, in talks about setting up some sort of a gold ruble yuan trade with the Turkish lira. Seventy percent really? of their wheat imports, yes, yeah, seventy percent of their wheat imports come from Russia. Erdogan doesn't want that disrupted, especially as gas prices go through the roof. There's going to be mm-hmm. at, we're, we're at near Arab Spring levels again, Matt. Yeah, the yeah, Sultan yeah. No, doesn't they, want they, this. They're they're absolutely absolutely no. That that's true, and they're. The conditions of life. I mean, I was talking about the Americans, and and that's that's not good. But if you look at the 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 Europeans right now, total sacrificial lambs uh, being led to the slaughter so fast. It's happening so quickly in terms of just the the shut off of the look at the amount of food imports that they need from Ukraine and Russia into Europe. I mean, uh, like what was it? Twenty five or more percent of the wheat imports uh, or wheat production of the world comes from Russia and Ukraine. Those two places. Um, that's not going to be happening. Um, gas, natural gas, even Russia has said, you know, we, uh, we can get by pretty well. China's, um, filling that space that the U S and, and Europe used to fill. They could fill up even more space. They, they have a major growth model. They need inputs of, of the natural gas and oil that we have. Um, it's not hurt. Our sanctions are not hurting Russia that much. Um, but they're destroying the lives of people whose lives have already been destroyed for two years of a lockdown, unnecessary lockdown that's that's hurt so many people. The U.S. average life expectancy has dropped on average two years since 2019. That's never ha- we have not had a drop like that. I think since the Great Depression, and yep. it's like I, I don't know. What I'm it is waiting for the Maduro I, diet. I'm waiting for the Maduro diet to to crash into the United States. It's going to be the new fad here in, in the next coming years. Uh, they might rename it the Biden diet, where every American drops about 20 to 30 pounds due to starvation. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to laugh at that, but it's, yeah. It's I don't really, even. Uh, yeah, it's, it's jarring. And yeah, like the, the case of the, the poor Europeans. And, and But again, like it shows you, now's the time where I think when you have this type of existential tension, you're you're seeing more cracks. Like, you know, they're, they're trying to maintain this veneer of having consensus amongst those of the rules-based democratic international order of a common, you know, orientation, but they obviously don't. Um, Germany has refused to cancel their, their, 
their their natural gas imports and other things from Russia. Uh, a lot of countries, even UK, the UK, uh, the Netherlands, have all said, "Well, you know, some people might want to do this, like Biden, but we just can't do that." Um, sorry. Um, you got the breakdown over the question of uh, going to war, providing the the planes that I mentioned. You know that that's not happening anymore. The the Poland and Latvia and all the former Soviet Warsaw Pact basket case countries have all been saying that they totally back. Uh, Ukraine, they're willing to provide weapons and planes. Um, a lot of that's falling apart. You know, uh, there, there's just no consensus in anything. Uh, Pepe Escobar, what do you what do you got there? Never under, never under, never under, <laughs> never underestimate stupid stance power to stupefy us all. Stupid stance. <laughs> that's us, folks. We're that's welcome take off. stupid stance. Yeah, we got to make that a thing. All right, we all have to start using that term. <laughs> American companies, listen to the logic of the brilliant Americans. That's what we are. That's what we are. We're so smart. American companies will continue to buy Russian oil via third country banks, as in they will pay a lot more for their oil. Chinese and mostly Hong Kong banks will make a killing, and the Russians get paid in full. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Right, because they have to get around their own sanctions now, <laughs> yeah. so they have to go to other third party. Oh wow, yeah, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> stupid Stan, <laughs> another oh. day in stupid. Live from Stupid Stan, it's V and CJ. <laughs> CJ, are you there? Have you fallen Stupid CJ? Stan? No, I was laughing. I got muted. I laughed my ass off. That's hilarious. Stupid Stan. <laughs> CJ, yep. we're broadcasting live from Stupid Stan, bro. <laughs> that's got to be your, your your new introduction till uh, <laughs> that's it get together that's all it. attribution to pepe pepe is because of pepe i started using exceptional stand but pepe i'll tell you right now stupid stand is even better brother i'm going to start using it yeah. copyright pepe escobar 2022 <laughs> <laughs> that's a good claim to fame so yeah look i, I mean I, i'm reminded of the the story of dr tarn professor feather people want something to read that gives them insight into the nature of this this stupidity read edgar Allan poe's Professor Tard, uh, uh, Doctor Tard, and Professor Feather short story, um, where this oh, young oh guy. Oh my God! We have breaking news, Matt. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, do it. Breaking news! Breaking news! The great leader is speaking. I'm, I'm putting her on right now. Do it. And what is that? I am here. Standing She's here. here. She's standing on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. And what is at stake at this very moment? I am here, standing here on the northern flank, the eastern flank <laughs> talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies. <laughs> and what is at stake at this very moment? What a brilliant genius. <laughs> yes. What a, what I thought I... Uh, out of modern statecraft. She is the mutty. She's the Mata Hari. She's the Mata Hari of the modern statecraft. Did you just say Mata Hari? No, I said a paragon. I said a... <laughs> I like Mata Hari better. <laughs> Man, no, I'm Mata Hari was not topic. I don't know why. No, she, she's a, a much less qualified uh, whore than the Mata Hari. <laughs> Mata Hari was actually good at what she was doing. Um, yeah, she actually got real intelligence. Um, no, I mean, this is the woman who... who Remember what she what was it that she was just saying? Like you, the thing you will have to understand is Ukraine is a country next to Russia. It is a small country. Russia is a big country next to uh, Ukraine. God and, dang it! We're and so uh, and they're invading the small country, and that's wrong. Like you're, she's talking to kindergarten children. Like she literally trains in front of children under the age of six um, who don't respect her. Uh, but she doesn't realize that, and then goes out and talks to Americans and the oh world audience. Um, it's 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 weird. She has no oh. ability to self reflect that this is inappropriate, and you have no qualifications to be where you are, <laughs> except that you <laughs> you could spend a lot of time on your back, and uh, somehow that helped you career wise. Yeah. Oh my god, Un unbelievable, man. Anyway, hey interesting Matt, times. interesting times. Interesting times, man. It's like uh, what Lenin said. There are decades where nothing happens and weeks where decades happen, and uh, mm -hmm. we're living it, brother. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Any last-minute things you want to you say before we end the broadcast? I think that we've we've gone through quite a bit for people to chew on. I, I think that's pretty good. Um, no, 
no, I think we're we're just gonna have to wait and see what the the universe throws at us, and and uh, be prepared for be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. Obviously, there are there are um, reasons for optimism despite this insanity. Um, though you have to think on a global historic level, you cannot get caught into the myopic um atomized local concerns of just thinking about the transatlantic or your local political situation because if you do that um it's 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 a fucked up situation um really but if you think from that historic global standpoint um and again watch the the andre andre uh, martinov uh interview with uh with v that'll i think get you there in a really good effective way um there's a lot of uh, reason to recognize that the oligarchy has overplayed its hand. They are not capable of withstanding the rise and expression of real human statecraft and creative thought, which is moving and shaping global policy from the Eurasian uh, side of the world and much of the global South. And that includes, you know, uh, things, everything below the United States. There's a lot of expression of, of a desire to survive of human thinking human geopolitical expression and planning that is tied to something which is based on the win-win. I mean, the only way human beings are going to be ourselves and thrive in the universe that created us, like we are part of the universe. There's not the universe and nature. And then there's us as this, this other unnatural thing that only, you know, can do nothing but destroy nature whenever we try to help ourselves by building infrastructure, which is what we've been told by these religious transhumanist, you know, technocratic freaks that human beings are the, this parasite because we disrupt the mathematical supposed equilibrium of uh, nature. We build a dam, we build infrastructure, whatever, you know? And, and so they say that is why we have to destroy the plague, destroy human beings um, in preservation of this mathematical equilibrium. None of that is true. There is no evidence anywhere in the universe. And this is an important point to, of not just faith. This is a, a, a provable scientific fact that is also tied to something divine, um, that there is no evidence of stasis anywhere in the universe um, from the standpoint of as far back as we can look to, as far into the future as we can project, and everything in between, the occurrence of life. There's no sign that life... I mean, if you, if you thought the way they did, then you would say that it would be impossible for the single-celled organisms that were all that existed, that we know of in the, in the pre-Cambrian period. There was no way that anything was going to move beyond that. There's no way that life could have even come into being from non-life um, if you believe the way that the natural environment would have been rocks and no life. But then life arose. How did that happen? Well, it, if global you're, warming. Global warming, right. Yeah, the sun. <laughs> the <laughs> galaxy, the sun. I don't know. Like, there, Yeah, there's things that we've not discovered. But there's a whole oriented directionality to the flow and creative changes that have occurred in new species coming into being, not gradualistically the way the Darwinians would try to have us believe. Like there's no evidence in the fossil records that there's gradual change of like a worm slowly becoming like a biped, slowly become, you know, it doesn't happen that way. There are these discontinuous creative leaps that happen all throughout the records that we know of leading us is if what by randomness to human beings that could have this like discourse over electricity, like I'm talking into this thing, you're right, that that's then translating my information, my my visuals and my sound into an intelligible piece of information translating on electricity, on light, right? Going from satellites down to you that's then processing with qualities that are more than just the simple sum of atoms in your brain that identify my identity of all of the possible identities. You can clearly identify that. And we're having a conversation and other people are watching and passing out, you know, so to say that all of that is random, the way these Yuval Harari world economic forum transhumanists all profess, um, that is a religiously cultish fanatical belief that has no bearing on evidence. So, you know, if that's true, and that is our destiny to be a human, a, a real society made in the image of God and the, in the laws of nature, then that will mean that we've accepted the fact that the only viable laws, economic or otherwise, are win-win cooperation, not zero-sum Hobbesian geopolitics. It's a matter of science, not a question of philosophy or taste. And so the fact that many cultures, ancient cultures of the world have all gotten their shit together, they've, they've been fighting off successfully the fifth column deep state you know, penetrations that are, are embedded in all their countries, but they're actually fighting and they're doing a pretty good job of it. 
um, they are putting online a real viable uh, political economic security architecture founded on, on these very common sense principles of don't kill your neighbor. It's bad for business. <laughs> you know, and, and they're actually doing things that are in alignment with the good. Um, and they're representing, you know, Indian and 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 uh, Hindu, uh, Muslim and and Christian and uh, Confucian and Buddhist cultures, like so many different varieties of cultures that all defy the logic of the neocons of people like Samuel P. Huntington and uh, all of these creeps who all say that, no, human beings can do nothing but suffer periodic clashes of civilizations until the hegemon arises that's more fit to survive than the weaker and imposes their will onto the weak under a world leviathan um that's their that's their religious philosophy that that's actually what they teach in school if you go to political science you treat that you, you get taught that garbage um that's not the way human beings work that's not the way the world has ever functioned it's been destroyed that way but it's never functioned that way you've never created anything that way so, uh, yeah, there's reason for optimism, but you got to keep that that type of, of framing, that thinking in the mind and always just build on that. And you you won't get too caught up in the in the hullabaloo. That, that's my my yeah. last. Sentence. Very well said, Matt. Very well said. And folks, thank you all for listening. And again, get Matthew Ayers books. Go to CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net. The links will be in the description box. Get over there, get the two books. It is important for you to get them. That is the framework. You get those two books, you'll understand the context and the framework of where we are, where we're headed, where we're going, and then get Andre Martinov's book because that's going to fill in all the holes. It is the one-two punch. Make sure you do it. Get her done. He's Matthew Errett. He's the producer, CJ, and I'm the gorilla. We are over and out. <laughs>